Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 116 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign, and today we're going to pray for the youth. Previously, we did a podcast called Legacy, in which we gave a call to the elders to step into positions of mentorship and discipleship. We expressed the importance of leading the next generation into their promise, their land of inheritance. And while we talked much about the importance of ministering to the generations, and mentorship. But today I want to speak a little bit about the youth's role in all of this. And this is an important message for the youth and for the eldership because we need to see the importance of their place in the kingdom right here, right now, and how we can begin to cultivate them and prepare them for their time of stepping out. I truly believe that one of the most detrimental and unscriptural divides in the church of Jesus Christ today is the divide between the youth and the elders. I want to lay the reality before you that there is no place in scripture for youth ministry. The body of Christ is not divided. He was broken for us once and for all, and I for one will not break him up again. Now, I'm not telling you that there's anything wrong with doing things for your youth to encourage them. But I do not agree with the mass divide between the leadership, the eldership, and the younger generation. When the Bible says that the elders ought to teach the younger, they should be ministering together. There should be discipleship. There should be an investment. And what I see in most youth ministries is more of a disinterest by the more established In other words, they're using it for babysitting. I don't want to have to deal with this generation, so we're just going to let them go do their own thing. And then we blame them for all of the ways that they're straying when they have no real leadership. It's not their fault. It's ours. Because we decided to do it a different way. Scripture never told us to. Scripture said, let the elders teach the younger. In our church, we make it a point and a commitment, and we have for generations, to incorporate the young in the church. We do not separate them. We want them to experience the presence from the earliest age, and we encourage them to participate. The youth in our church, from the smallest child to the elders, they all lay hands, they all pray, they cast out demons, they prophesy, they teach, they preach. We take them seriously. Because God can use them. After all, it's not you or me that's doing anything. When it's truly from God, it's His Spirit using us, moving through us. Why can't He do it through a child? He can and He does. But you've got to be humble enough to see it and allow it and receive it. So from the eldest elder to the youngest child, I'm looking for the way the Holy Spirit is moving the body no matter how humble or insignificant the member might be, because I want to know the heart of my king. 
I want to know what he's doing. I want to know how he's moving. And sometimes my greatest confirmations have come through the least of these, the little children. So I say, suffer them not to come unto me. If they've got a word, I want to hear it. If they've got a song, I want to encourage it. If they've got a message, I'll hold them up so they can preach it. And when they start to stumble and stray, we need to be there to lead them. Because God does use children. And I think that one of the ways the enemy gets in at an early age is when a child has a heart to serve the Lord or be used by him. But the church tells them that they're too young and God can't use them. So the devil steps in and says, but I can. And so they go where they feel wanted. Let us not be guilty of this sin. Let us commit to teach and instruct and lead and allow for the young to be used. Because the truth that I bring to you today is that he always has. And so if you are a youth listening to this, I want to encourage you. And if you are an eldership, then I want to remind you that many of the greatest things in the scripture was done by minors and children because that it gave God great glory, knowing that it could only be done by him through them because of their lack of ability, skill, equipment, because of their weakness, his strength and power and majesty was made evident. How can we not also encourage this? There is such a great treasure trove of anointing, gifting, power, enthusiasm, and purpose in the young. And I'm not just talking about teenagers. I'm talking about all the way down to the youngest that's being wasted and lost. Because we would rather them be babysitted than to lead them to the cross, to bring them into the presence, to teach them how to trust the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit, to help them to understand that it's not easy to follow his leading, but that it's worth it. And that the younger they start, the farther they can make it before they have to pass the baton. And I think that one of the greatest ways to minister to the youth and show them their usefulness to the kingdom is to take them to the scriptures and break down the reality of who these characters really were. Because we're so used to seeing these Bible movies on TV and they're always old aged men with long white beards, but that really wasn't the reality for many of them. Jeremiah, for one, was one of the greatest prophets in all of history. And I can remember one time a young girl once told a friend of mine, she said, I want to be just like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And knowing what the girl was thinking, my friend kindly replied to her and said, my dear, he was not weeping because he was soft hearted. He was weeping because everyone hated him. To which the girl changed her mind and quickly decided to find a new inspiration. You see, Jeremiah had a hard calling. God had put his own words in Jeremiah's mouth and sent him repeatedly to places that he did not want to go to speak words that he did not want to say before people who did not want to hear them. This caused him much rejection, pain, persecution, and heartache. Though revered and respected now as a man of great integrity and unwavering faithfulness to God's call, he was utterly hated in his day by nearly all. However, what most don't realize about Jeremiah, 
that makes his story all the more astonishing is that he was very young, considering himself to be a, quote, youth when God first began to give him words and send him out. We see this from the beginning of his book in Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 4. He says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. You see, Jeremiah thought himself too young. He thought himself a child. He was looking at his physical abilities, but God said, no, no, I will put my word in your mouth. It's not about you. I'm going to move through you. And we need to help our youth to recognize that this is really how it works. It's about faith and submission to the Lord. He can use you where you are. We have a generation that are being raised up and told that they are nothing more than animals, that they evolved from rocks, that they have no worth. I think one of the greatest heartbreaks that abortion has brought into this nation is to teach a generation that they were expendable, that their brothers and sisters were not needed. How many preachers and teachers and prophets have been aborted? Oh Lord, forgive us for not showing this present generation their purpose and how precious they are in the eyes of God. God can use anyone, and he loves to use the least of us. Scripture says that God is no respecter of persons, but that he is a respecter of obedience. Through scripture, we find many examples of courageous, God-fearing youths that stood for God in total obedience to his calling commands, walking in integrity and faith, to the amazement, and oftentimes even to the salvation of their elders. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Hebrew youths estimated to be under 13 years of age. These youths stood in defiance to Nebuchadnezzar, who was an archetype for the Antichrist in their time. They stood against his orders to bow and worship the image he had erected. Understand that Daniel chapter 3 verse 7 tells us that, quote, all peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped this image at the king's command. Thousands, maybe even millions, including Jews and believers, all of them bowed before the idol. All but three kids. The story goes on to explain how they were thrown into a fiery furnace, trial and affliction. But just like God had promised to Jeremiah, God was with them to deliver them. 
And because of the daring faithfulness of these three children, the entire nation was saved and turned their worship back to God. There are many such accounts through scripture of the most unlikely vessels being used for God's glory. He loves to work in this manner because it shows that he is the one doing it and not the skills or qualifications of the person being used, but rather their obedience to be used by him. It's a tool for exalting the humble and humbling the exalted that God uses quite often. Another great biblical example of this would be Josiah, the eight-year-old king that rid Israel of its idols, its groves, and its child sacrifice. He restored the word of God to the people and turned their hearts back to their heavenly father. David, the 12-year-old shepherd boy that stood up to a giant with a slingshot and a declaration from God, saving the nation and eventually became its greatest king. The little nameless Israelite girl in 2 Kings chapter 5, that though she was far from home, she boldly spoke the word of the Lord to her master, a great Syrian captain, causing him to seek out Elisha, receive his healing, and declare the glory of the Lord before his people. Joseph, who declared God's dream of favor and was sold into slavery as a young boy, about 17, then spent all of his youth in humble obedience and submission, maintaining his faith, integrity, and call. And because of his faithfulness to God as a youth, he came to save all from drought and famine. The daughters of Philip, who the Bible says were young enough to not be married, so an estimation of probably 13 or younger, who prophesied and delivered the word of God himself to the disciples and the apostles of the early church. They ministered and helped to bring in the very foundation of the church that we have today. Throughout scripture, we see this reoccurring theme that faithful and powerful patriarchs of the scripture start out as obedient, God-fearing youths who being more concerned about pleasing God than men were willing to stand against the status quo in obedience to God, no matter the backlash. No one simply wakes up one day and is an awesome man or woman of faith. It's a lifelong journey that the devil would love to discourage you from starting or at the very least delay you as long as he can. So if God has called you, placed gifts in you, or given you a mandate, submit in humility and act in obedience despite fear or resistance. Remember that the devil always resists God's chosen, and the level of resistance is always a direct measure of the potential that he is trying to stop. If age, education, title, or lack of social clout is weighing against your faith and calling, then I leave you with Paul's words to Timothy, who was the youngest New Testament pastor in the early church. That in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity, till I come, give audience to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is within you, which was given unto you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So youth, I want to encourage you today 
Let no man despise your youth. It is a gift. And God can do more with you. And the years that you have left. Start early. Submit to him. And start moving. In the destiny, giftings, and callings. That he has given you. And to the elders and the leadership. I plead with you. Mentor. Teach. Direct. Encourage. You have a purpose. You have a ministry. You have a job to do. Lead the next generation in. To the promised land. And leave them equipped. To possess it. Acts chapter 2 verse 7 says. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. It's not us. It's his spirit through us. Therefore, he can use any of us. Let us commit to submit to the leading of his spirit. And not think ourselves more highly than we ought. Young people, the elders are worthy of reverence. Elders, the young people are worthy of your commitment. God, we pray for our youth today. We pray your protection and your mercy and your grace. Lord, we pray against the enemy of their mind that comes with lies, telling them that they're worthless, that they're nothing more than animals. The lies of evolution that have confused their purpose in you and given them an excuse for sin and wickedness and reveling and rebellion. Lord, we pray protection against the witchcraft that comes against them through the music, through the media, through the movies, through the games. They're bombarded daily. Lord, let us remember to pray for them daily. God, give us eyes to see the giftings and callings that you have placed in them. Give us a heart that desires to cultivate them and to lead them. And for the young people, Lord, I pray for fire to rise up within them. I pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them in a way that no generation before them has experienced or anticipated. God, I pray for a Josiah generation. I pray for a Joshua generation. I pray for the Jeremiah's and the Nathan's. I pray for them to rise up and to take their place in the kingdom, to start earlier than we did, to do more than we did, to go farther than we did, to be purer than we were, to be an example in every form. As you said to Timothy, in every word, in every conversation, and in every demonstration of the grace that we have been given from our Lord. God, we give you glory. For the youth and we pray that you use them and move them in ways that only you can let them know your spirit let them humble to it and let them not be afraid to step out in faith and use it in jesus name we pray and all the generations said in one mind and one accord one body serving one lord amen 
Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.